ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on WDAY. Your call in number 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Hey, you can tweet me too, at Rob Port. Good afternoon, Atil. Good afternoon, Rob. We, uh, you know, we had a pretty pretty heated discussion yesterday about the Attorney General, Sally Yates. I would former, say so. Got a little heated. Uh, and it was funny because the discussion spilled over into my Twitter account late into the evening yesterday. <laughs> um, and you, you know what's remarkable to, to me about it is is how many people... I, I either just have a fundamental misunderstanding of how our government works, like like they they just they they never did well in in civics or or didn't get that opportunity, or they they just choose to assume that the government works in different ways based on their politics. Because all of a sudden, it's like the attorney general's office last night. It seemed like the attorney general's office in order to all of a sudden become like a fourth branch of government. That's that's some sort of a check on on executive authority, which is clearly not true, given that the president can fire the attorney general whenever he wants. The attorney general is a member of the cabinet and serves at the pleasure of the president. And I don't know how many times, you know, people were coming at me all over the place on Twitter last night. And I just kept having to say the same thing. The attorney general is not the executive. The attorney general is not a branch of government unto itself. The Attorney General has executive powers delegated from the President of the United States. All of the executive power in the United States is invested in the President. The President, by himself, is the executive branch of government. All the other aspects of the executive branch of government wield power delegated from the President of the United States, which means, right or wrong, I'm not saying you have to agree with what Trump did or his executive orders or anything else, but but right or wrong... He has the power to fire the attorney general. And, and what Yates did by saying, well, we're just not going to do what the president says, that was fundamentally wrong. There's, it's, it's indefensible. What she did was wrong. She should have just resigned. And, and I could have respected that. I might not have agreed with her reasoning, but I could have respected that if she had just resigned. But I don't have any respect for somebody who pulls the stunt that she pulled. And it, it, was, just, it was just amazing to me. I was just inundated by people on social media I, I guess upset at that position. Although I, I think even today, you know, after some of the, the partisan recrimination is settling down, you know, cooler heads. I, I see even Alan Dershowitz is out there saying, um, you know, she should have she should have just stepped down. Uh, that's uh, that's reality. But it's it's a superheated partisan political world that we live in. And it, it, it seems as though rational analysis just doesn't even matter anymore. Frustrating. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Not frustrating in that I, I enjoy the debate. I mean, that's why I do this for a living. I enjoy the debate. I enjoy going back and forth with people and, and talking. It's just it's frustrating when we can't even agree on basic facts, right? I mean, the, the government is structured the way it's structured. The, the checks on executive power are the Congress and the courts, not the president's cabinet. The president's cabinet is not a fourth branch of government. That's just not how it works uh and speaking of facts and analysis i i see uh there was an article uh out there today from forum news service 
uh, about the gender wage gap, and it's it's sort of accompanying. There's some more legislation in Bismarck uh, aimed at, at closing the gender wage gap, but obviously this is something that gets talked about a lot. Uh, I quote from, uh, this is an article uh, from Katie Fairbanks today, uh, North Dakota has the fifth largest wage gap in the country with women making on average 71 cents for every dollar a man makes with an even larger gap for women of color. According to the National Women's Law Center, nationally, women make 80 cents for every dollar a man makes in the United States, according to the center. Uh, and, and every time these statistics come out, they bug me because they're it's, it's a phony analysis is what it is it's it's superficial because the conclusion that we're supposed to draw from that gap right because we're, we're told those numbers and then the conclusion we're supposed to draw is that the wage gap is the result of discrimination that there are so many employers out there who see women as less valuable or who who prefer men or whatever that it's showing up in in national aggregated wages as a gap a disparity and the the problem is is that there's little effort put into taking into account some other possible explanations for you know for instance the fact that men tend to work more hours than women according to the bureau of labor statistics in fact men are about two and a half times about excuse me roughly two times more likely to work more than 40 hours a week than women, they're about two and a half times more likely to work more than 60 hours a week than women. Uh, women, in fact, are about two and a half times more likely than men to work 30, you know, a shorter full-time work week, which would be 35 to 39 hours per week. Um, I mean, these are these are differences. And I mean, uh, you know, men work jobs that tend to be more dangerous. Uh, men, you know, are, are about seven times more likely to die while working than women. Uh, they're even more likely to get injured. Uh, it's it's men get die and, and get injured at work a lot more than women. Now, what that means in terms of earning power is that dangerous jobs tend to be compensated more. Uh, there's also the fact that women tend to have different considerations than maybe just pay you know just that that salary figure than men this is a recent study conducted by the bureau of economic research i quote in general we find that females major choices are more responsive to changes in non-pecuniary job attributes relative to changes in earnings than males suggestive of their greater sensitivity to non-monetary aspects of the choice in human capital investment decisions Put in plain English, what that means is that sometimes women, when considering where to invest their human capital, their labor, their time and effort, they tend to be more sensitive to things other than just wages. Men tend to be a lot more focused on just the wages. I don't know what that means. I don't know that one is necessarily better or worse than the other. It just seems that's what men and women do. It's just sort of a difference between men and women and and how they approach their careers. But it does create a gap in earning power, right? I mean, if, if, if women tend to, to value things like, you know, maybe better uh, health benefits, maybe flexible scheduling, 
you know, maybe having time off, maybe having more vacation time, maybe having more sick days. I don't know, but if they're valuing those things more than men who are focused on just that that compensation level, then that's also going to contribute to the gap. So what my my larger point here, and by the way, we could go down, we could talk about, uh, you know, areas of study in college where women tend towards career paths that just don't pay as much as as the areas of study that men choose in in college you know if we break it down by majors that men and women pursue in higher education women tend to pick majors that end up putting them in career fields that just don't have the the earning potential that that men have Uh, again is that sexism or is that just choices that men and women are making i don't know but my point here is is that we go back to that top-level number, which gets promoted. There's a gender wage gap, and it's promoted by groups here in North Dakota, like the North Dakota Women's Network, that there's a gap between what all, all full-time working women earn and what all-time, you know, all full-time working men make. And we're supposed to conclude from that gap that it's discrimination. And my point is, is there's a lot of other factors that go into that. Discrimination is no doubt a real thing. It happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't. I just don't think it's a major contributor. And if, if we're going to talk about it, you know things in terms of public policy, how do you how do you promote public policy that's going to manipulate the choices men and women work you know make in, in terms of how they, they choose their careers? I think women should be able to make whatever choices they want concerning their careers. Same with men. It's a much more complicated issue. That I think people give it credit for. You know, the problem is, is that this more nuanced, more complicated picture of the gender wage gap. It doesn't get people marching in the streets the same way that crying about discrimination does. I, I, I think that's the reality of it. Love to hear what you think, though. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away. Rob Report here on WDAY. Uh, we're talking about the uh, gender wage gap. There's there's legislation in Bismarck to address it. And, and listen, I, I don't think any public policy aimed at addressing the, the wage gap that, that is based on our current, the way the gap is promoted in political circles today is, is going to be just bad policy because we're promote, promoting the idea that the wage gap is driven mostly by discrimination, and I just don't think it is. I think it's driven by choices that men and women make. And also, by the way, the, the, the big elephant in the room is the biological reality that women have the babies. Um, you know, there's not a lot we can do about that. Women have babies. Men don't. I, I think I, I, I say that. I, I say there's not a lot we can do. I think there is some things we could do in terms of child care. Uh, services, making them more available. That is a heavily regulated industry. I wonder if maybe easing up on some of the red, t- a lot of people out there that think we ought to be subsidizing uh, child care, providing, you know, like vouchers for it or whatever. I, I think it'd be easier. Maybe just ease up on some of the regulation for it so that entering the market and providing those services is easier. They're clearly in demand. But, you know, I mean, there's stuff like that we could do. Um, but there's just no getting around the fact that, that women have babies. I mean, they're, they're going to have to leave the workforce to have the babies. They're going to have to leave the workforce 
the care for the babies and most families have a kiddos home sick from school it's a lot of time the working mom that, that'll stay home with them um you know those are calculations that family makes families make are they right or wrong i don't know i think we could also break down some of the gender stereotypes that surround certain occupations there's nothing wrong with men being nurses there's nothing wrong with women being firefighters uh you know what what should matter is is their abilities and their skill and their willingness to work hard at it that's what should matter not gender so there's there are some things like that we could do but overall you know men and women live different lives boys and girls are different we shouldn't be surprised that those differences sometimes show up in things like aggregate wage numbers and that's not necessarily the sinister thing that some people make it out to be uh, and I say that as the father to two little girls that I am hoping can go out in the world and find just enormous amounts of success, whether it's in career or family life. So I I don't know. Uh, I got an email. I wrote about this on the blog earlier as well. I got an email from Allison. Uh, she says, thanks for your blog on the wage gap thing. As a woman, I have honestly always thought about, I've always thought the whole discrimination thing was crap. I just couldn't articulate why. This helps. Uh, sorry, not sorry to my feminist friends out there, but women just can't do everything as well as a man does and vice versa. Maybe they don't make the same amount of money because they are truthfully not as good. I don't know. This whole new feminism thing that's going on is pissing me off. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not my place to, to talk about fat. As with most identity politics, I, I, I think the means to the, the end is not necessarily a better situation for women per se. At least that's not priority. Now, priority number one is winning elections, right? I mean, that's that's what it's about. It's it's about aggregating political power. And if 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 an oversimplification of a very complicated social phenomena is what it takes to get people out marching in the street, then that's what they're going to do. Um, listen, if there are people out there if, if, who are paying women less because they're women and not for any other reason, then they are wrong. But if women are earning less because they choose different career paths and they choose to value different aspects of that career over maybe just that raw salary number, uh, if they choose to take more time off, if they choose to spend more time with their families, if they choose to have children, then what's so bad about that? And by the way, that's the big kicker. If we do an apples-to-apples apples comparison, Mark Mark Perry, who is a, a professor at George Mason University, an economist, he also works for the Competitive Enterprise Institute, he put together a chart based on earning numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, comparing women in various demographic cohorts, their earning power, against those of men. And what he found is that marriage and having children impacts the earning power of women quite quite a bit. And as a matter of fact, if, if you just if you just compare single women with no children under the age of eighteen to single men with no children under the age of eighteen the gender wage gap almost disappears. Women in that cohort earn 94% of what men earn, compared to 83% of all women, according to 2014 BLS numbers. 
So I don't know. What do we do about that? There's some things we can do, but again, to suggest that discrimination is the reason for the gender wage gap, it's silly. And it's politics. More to come straight ahead. Fargo City Commissioner Tony Garrick is going to be on. He got blasted by the forum editorial board for using city letterhead to write a letter to legislators questioning the efficacy of economic development policy. We'll talk with him about that, plus your phone call, 701-293-9008-8899-7093299. Welcome back, Rob Report here on WDAY. 701-293-9000, that's your local number, 888-970-9329, that's your toll-free number. You can email me to talk at WDAY.com. I, uh, I scheduled I, uh, I, I scheduled uh, Tony Gehrig, uh, Fargo City Commissioner Tony Gehrig, to be on the program. Uh, Commissioner Steve Marquardt uh, now wants to be... Uh, in on the conversation as well. I understood he's called it. Do we have Steve on the line, Natil? Not yet, but it looks like he's calling in. It looks like he's calling in. Okay, we'll get him on. Right now I'm going to introduce uh, Tony Gehrig. The reason I have Tony on, uh, they he, t- Tony and Steve sent a uh, letter to the legislature, uh, and the letter was, was basically advocating their point of view on economic development policy and, you know, generally the idea. And I have the full letter posted at sayanythingblog.com if you want to read it. Uh, but generally the idea that, uh, you know, economic development policy is overused at the local level and, and needs some reform. And Tony got, Tony got blasted uh, by the forum editorial board for using City of Fargo letterhead. Uh, even though the very first sentence of of the letter makes it clear that Tony and Steve were writing to represent their own point of views as elected members, but not necessarily the views of their their respective commissions. Uh, Tony, welcome to the program. Thanks for your time. Hi, Rob. Uh, and I just want to make clear that I'm speaking on my own behalf as a public yeah. commissioner on your show today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you know that that was the thing that kind of struck me as odd. I mean, that the forum really came after you and gave you a flogging. You know, but what are are you supposed to pretend that you're not elected to the Fargo City Commission? I mean, for better or worse, you're you're a public official. You were elected by the people. You've got a point of view on this policy, and you're expressing it. I mean, to me, that's agree or disagree with you. That's valuable. That's part of why you were elected. Right, and the real irony here is, as I think even Steve pointed out to me earlier today, was you know you read the op-ed that Jack Zawinski wrote, and at the bottom of the op-ed says this represents the uh, editorial board of the uh, of, of the forum, but not necessarily the Fargo Forum. And I pointed out to him, and I said, look, and I talked to Jack earlier today, uh, and uh, I said, look, you guys can say that you are you represent yourselves and, and not the entire Fargo uh, Forum, but if I, as a city commissioner, have an opinion. And express that opinion. All of a sudden, now I'm representing the entire Fargo City Commission because I'm a commissioner. Well, that's cl- clearly nonsense. All of us uh, on the commission go on radio. We write op-eds. We get uh, TV. 
uh, we contact our legislators. We do all kinds of things on a daily basis, and we're clearly representing ourselves, unless otherwise stated, uh, as commissioners. And uh, to suggest in any way that uh, in using the letterhead that I have the right to use, and that, by the way, every other Fargo City Commissioner has used in the past, is somehow me uh, representing all the city commission, it is complete nonsense. And I like rem- you said, the first thing that Steve and I said in that letter was, we are two commissioners, this is how we feel, and no way are we trying to represent uh, the entire city of Fargo or, uh, or the entire uh, commission, because that there's, we have five commissioners for a reason. So we all have our own ideas, and we express those ideas on a daily basis. 701-293-9000 if you want to join the program, 888-970-9329. We have Steve Marquardt on the line as well. Steve is a member of the Bismarck City Commission. Steve, thanks for your time. Hey, thanks, Robin. Hello, Tony. You wanted to uh, you wanted to weigh, weigh in as well, Steve. I mean, what, what was your reaction to the forum editorial? Well, I was I was kind of surprised. And, of course, like uh, Tony said, everything I say is, you know, for is my opinion and uh, not the opinion of the rest of the Bismarck City Commission or, you know, the, the city of Bismarck as a whole. So, you know, I was, I, you know, I was kind of surprised by it, you know, a little bit. And that's one thing, you know, when I, you know, and, and you know, before this letter happened, you know, I had sat in on, on the hearing and I didn't sit there to uh, in support or, or uh, you know, oppose at that time. You know, I just sat and listened, you know, and I had talked to some of the committee members afterwards. And, and one thing with being an elected official, you know, before we make a decision is we want to make sure we have all of our information in front of us, you know, b- before we make that decision. You know, and a few of the committee members had said, why don't you, you know, write a letter to, um to that effect so you know knowing tony um you know the little bit that i do and, and what he does in fargo and there's some different programs that fargo has that bismarck doesn't you know i contacted tony and said let's you know get a draft a letter together and and we'll email it to the to the committee and uh you know lo and behold this is you know what what has happened but you know with with any government program or even our policies in our own cities or ordinances you know they need to take a look at them and and tweak them and i even mentioned that in the bismarck tribune afterwards you know when one of the reporters um grabbed me when i left the hearing you know what are your thoughts on it i said well you know right or wrong i said a lot of these i said need to be tweaked are we ever going to get rid of some of these programs possibly not but i think at you know some point in time they need to uh you know get take a look at them and in you know tweak them to you know better serve our communities well, that, that that was a point that I wanted to make, Tony, because it's not like your guys' letter fell out of the clear blue sky. The, the legislature during the interim, you know, in, initiated a study looking at some of these economic development programs. As, as a matter of fact, I interviewed on this program uh, State Representative Jason Doctor of Bismarck, who headed the interim uh, uh, taxation committee that looked at at these issues. And, you know, one of the things he said is that some of these some of these programs at the state level, maybe not necessarily the two that, that you the, the, the programs that you you folks are talking about. But he said some of the ones they found in the review, you know, dated back to like the 1960s. One had never been used since it was initiated. Um, it, the legislature is rightfully reviewing these programs and, and judging their efficacy, judging how well they work and how often they're used. And what you and, and Steve set out to do was just provide some input on that from the city level. And what frustrated me is the forum, instead of, instead of I, I guess if they disagree with the position you're taking, providing a rebuttal for, for your position on the policy, instead chose to, to kind of shoot the messenger. 
Right, and clearly <clears throat> that was our intent was to, to shed the light on this. And what, and like like we just said, instead of talking about the issue, they re, they resort to personal attacks. If you read that letter, they they are saying that that Steve and I have no integrity. That we uh, said we we're going to do one thing and we did another, which is is clearly not the case. Uh, I told the folks two weeks ago at C Commission meeting that if uh, you know we don't take a, a, an official position, which I asked us to do on incentives, but that that motion died for a second. That I always write a letter as a commissioner myself, and then later with Steve uh, to to these committees and express my okay minority view. Uh, but the the voice on the editorial board for the Fargo Forum has become increasingly shrill. Uh, it has become increasingly offensive. And I talked to Jack today, and I say, you have question now in question my integrity. Uh, it's fine if you disagree with my with my intent or or with my policies or whatever else. That's that's open. That's fair game. We can disagree all day long. But if you read the letter, he just goes right for the throat and says that this guy has no integrity and Steve has no integrity. And that, that's not acceptable to me, uh, and, and I let him know that. I, I, I wonder, Steve, how many people in the public care that this letter was on, was on City of Fargo letterhead. I mean, especially what, I mean, the first sentence when you read it, because that's the first thing. When, I, when, I, when the letter landed in my lap, the first thing I saw was that it was on City of Fargo letterhead, and I thought, Oh, that's weird. But then I read the first sentence of the letter where, it's, you know, essentially you two were saying this represents us and not our commissions. Like, okay, well, that clears that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, to, to me, it's, it's just it's just two elected officials providing information. Because here's the thing you need to understand. It is not only common. It happens every single week, if not daily, that a letter gets sent from our office from a commissioner. Every time one of us sends a press release, that letterhead is used. Okay. The mayor, I had an example in, in last, in, in, on Monday's meeting of different ways that the city commissioners have used that letterhead in the exact same way, if not very similarly, to what I did. And beyond that, the, the committee hearings that Steve is talking about that he sat in on, one of our commissioners, Dave Papcorn, went to that uh, hearing in person with city staff and represented himself as a city commissioner who is speaking for the rest of the, committee, of the commission and said, here's what I think about this bill. He didn't say, this is my opinion, he didn't say I'm an individual. He said, this is how, they, this is how all of us think, which is clearly not the case. For, so for someone to point to me and Steve and say, you tried to represent the entire city commission, when it obviously wasn't true, it's actually happening with the other commissioners. And we as a city commissioner, in the city of Fargo at least, never took a vote to give those people that authority to go out and speak for us, even though I, me, personally asked for that vote to be taken. So not only is this letter, this op-ed, completely false in how it's characterizing uh, how we uh, wrote that letter. It's completely ignoring the fact that, in fact, other commissioners are trying to represent the, the entire Fargo City Commission and advocate and lobby for or against certain bills based on their opinion. I think it's important that we talk about the letterhead because people are making an issue out of it. But what, what, makes, what, what frustrates me is that we're, we're now distracted from talking about what's much more right. important, which is which is the economic development policy at the root of it. Steve, I mean, what, what are you hoping the legislature does uh, in, in terms of some of, these, some of these programs? I mean, what specifically would you like to see done? Basically, Rob, is the, the only thing that, that, that we can do at this time is, is just make sure that the legislators take a look at these programs and are they relevant to today's uses? Um, you know, and, and what the fiscal impact is is on those. 
you know, like I had mentioned earlier, are, are we ever going to get rid of them? Possibly not. I mean, you know, the legislators have to make that decision on their own. Um, what this letter was intended to do was just give information to the committee that, hey, you know, it's not cold, you know, hard facts that, that you know, each one of the commissions or, or anything are, are for it 100%. You know, the, you know we have con, uh, constituents that, um, you know, that Tony and I represent and, you know, going forward, that's, you know, what we, what we had done with that letter is just to give the legislators more information. So when they take a look at that or any of the policies or any of the laws that are in place, um, you know, to, to move forward, you know, are they working? Do we need to get rid of them? Here's how we need to tweak it. Here's how it won't be abused if it is being abused, you know, and, and different things like that. It's just, just for informational purposes is what it was for. Well, it makes sense to me. Gentlemen, unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, but please uh, keep up the good fight. I think there's a lot of people out there who are, are at, at least want a review of these programs and, and understand that they are a, a good use of, of public policy and taxpayer dollars. But, gentlemen, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. That's uh, Bismarck City Commissioner Steve Marquardt and, of course, Fargo City Commissioner Tony Gehrig. We'll wrap up the show right after this, 701-293-9000, 888 nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at wday.com don't go away welcome back rob port 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Hey, uh, one piece of legislation uh, down in Bismarck. State Representative Roscoe Striley from Minot wants to institute a tax on the wind power industry. Uh, he argues that it's heavily subsidized and they're given preferential treatment and selling their power to the power grid. Uh, and it's hurting the coal industry. So he sees it as a sort of punitive tax. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. A tax like that's just going to get passed along to ratepayers ultimately. Uh, I understand, though, the situation. I wrote a post about this. I, I think the wind power is a sacred cow worth slaughtering, but a new tax is the wrong way to go about doing it. It, it is. I mean, listen, wind is an intermittent power source, but for some reason they get preferential treatment. We are required to buy the power grid, they get first opportunity to sell their power to the power grid when the wind's blowing. Uh, and they also get a massive wind power production tax credit from the federal government. And by the way, Striley's uh, tax would be about 10% of that wind power production credit. Um, but listen, wind is intermittent power. So what happens is is they're heavily subsidized. Their their market share in the power grid is, is built in no small part on the back of that subsidy. Uh, and they get first preference to sell into the grid, which means that not only are other forms of power, which here in North Dakota is mostly coal, uh, not only do they have to compete with wind, which is heavily subsidized, but they also only get to sell their power to the grid after wind power sells its power, which means that baseline power operators like coal have to be have the capacity available to provide all the power that American North Dakotans and Americans might want, even when the wind's not blowing, um, even though they're treated basically as second-class citizens on the power grid. It is a 
It is terrible public policy. The only reason we promote it is because wind power has essentially, you know, political most favored status. Uh, and it's wrong. Uh, so listen, we, we absolutely need to cut through some of the politics surrounding that. We need to get back to a more, I don't know if we're ever going to have a free market for power, but a freer market for power, I think, would make a lot of sense. That's what we got to do. So bad idea for his legislation, but I get the motivations. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Remember, you can catch me here. 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. I keep having this dream. I'm at a party. There's people throwing drinks and screaming, telling me that I don't belong.